Welcome to Lessons for Living Television. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. Early in the morning of Sunday, August the 13th, 1961, construction began on the Berlin Wall. It was a desperate but effective move by the German Democratic Republic to stop East Berliners from escaping from the Soviet-controlled East Germany into the western part of the city, which at that point was occupied by the Americans, British, and French. Berlin's unique situation as a city half controlled by western forces in the middle of the Soviet occupation zone of Germany, well, it made it a focal point for tensions between the Allies and the Soviets and a place where conflicting ideologies were enforced side by side. However, as more and more people in the Soviet-controlled East grew disillusioned with communism and the increasingly oppressive economic and political conditions, an increasing number began defecting to the West. By 1961, an estimated 1,500 people a day were fleeing to the West. In a masterfully planned operation spanning just 24 hours, the streets of Berlin were torn up, barricades of paving stones were erected, tanks were gathered at crucial places, subways and local railway services were interrupted so that within a day, the west of Berlin was completely sealed off from the east. And of that same day, inhabitants of East Berlin and the GDR were no longer allowed to enter the west of the city. Well, in response to international criticism that such dramatic measures inevitably drew the GDR claim that the barricade had been raised as an anti-fascist protection wall and that they had moved, well, to prevent a third world war. The version of the wall that started in 1961 was in fact not a wall, but really a 96-mile barbed wire fence. However, as this incarnation proved too easy to scale, work started in 62 on a second fence, parallel to the first, up some 100 yards further in. The area in between the two fences was demolished well, to create an empty space which became widely known as the Death Strip. The strip was covered with raked gravel, making it easy to spot footprints. It offered no cover, was mined and booby-trapped with trip wires, and most importantly, it offered a clear field of fire to the armed guards who were instructed to shoot on sight. Later on, even these measures were deemed insufficient and a concrete wall was added in 1965, which served until 1975, when the infamous Grenzmauer 75, and it was, which was the final and most sophisticated version of the wall. It was made from some 45,000 separate sections of reinforced concrete, each 3.6 meters high and 1.5 meters wide, and it was topped with a smooth pipe intended to make it more difficult for the escapers to scale it. The Grenzmauer was reinforced by mesh fencing, signal fencing, anti-vehicle trenches, barbed wire, 
and over 300 watchtowers and 30 bunkers just to be on the safe side. Now, despite the various security measures that were enforced, escape attempts were really quite common, especially in the years immediately following the erection of the wall when there was still a fighting chance of making it across alive. You see, climbing was the obvious way to go, and some 5,000 were set to have reached the other side. However, in its 30-year history, 100 people were shot dead. Most famously, probably, was the 18-year-old Peter Fetcher, who, as he was hit in the hip, was left to bleed to death in no man's land as the world's media watched on. On June the 26th, 1963, United States President John F. Kennedy made a groundbreaking speech in Berlin offering solidarity to the citizens of the West. Thank you. There are many people in the world who really don't understand or say they don't what is the great issue between the free world and the communist world? Let them come to Berlin. Freedom has many difficulties. And democracy is not perfect. But we have never had to put a wall up to keep our people in, to prevent them from leaving us. While the wall is the most obvious and vivid demonstration of the failures of the communist system, for all the world to see, we take no satisfaction in it, for it is as your mayor has said, an offense not only against history, but an offense against humanity, separating families, dividing husbands and wives and brothers and sisters, and dividing a people who wish to be joined together. All, all free men, wherever they may live, are citizens of Berlin. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Berliner. General Secretary Gorbachev, if you seek peace, if you seek prosperity for the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, if you seek liberalization, come here to this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. On the pleasantly warm but overcast afternoon of June the 12th, 1987, U.S. President Ronald Reagan stood in front of the Berlin Wall and spoke six words that resonated deeply with millions who endured Soviet domination throughout Europe and among proponents of democracy around the world. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. 
Well, the wall was finally breached by jubilant Berliners on November the 9th, 1989, unifying a city that had been divided for over 30 years. You know, in Isaiah 61, speaking of what the Messiah would come to do, the Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to prisoners. You see, Jesus Christ brings deliverance. He brings freedom and salvation. In fact, Jesus died to free us. Look at Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Here's what it says. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of God and Father. We have been delivered, the Bible says, out of this present evil age into the eternal kingdom. The purpose for which Jesus died was to deliver us out of this present evil age. You see, that's what's inherent in his salvation. The very purpose of our salvation was to deliver us out of this present evil age. What, you see, what he's saying is, if you've been saved, if you've been rescued from this evil system, then that's what's happened to you. You're no longer a prisoner to it. It doesn't hold any charm to you. It doesn't hold any attraction for you. Jesus' death was the rescue effort. And you can tell a real Christian by their disinterest in the present world system. In the world, Jesus said, not of the world. Now, the word deliver here means to rescue. It's used just a few times in the New Testament. It's used in the seventh chapter of Acts, where Stephen is preaching his sermon before the Sanhedrin, for which he is going to be stoned to death. And he was describing how God delivered Joseph and his children, the children of Israel, from Egyptian affliction. And about the 10th verse, I think, of Acts 7, it says, And rescued him from all his afflictions. And again, I think it's repeated in the 34th verse. It's the word rescue, to, to deliver, to rescue the children of Israel and Joseph, Joseph from Egyptian affliction. Peter used the word to describe God's deliverance of him from prison. Acts chapter 12 and verse 11. It says, The Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod. The Roman commander Claudius Lysias used it of the rescue of Paul from that angry mob in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 23, verse 27 says, And I came up to them with the troops and rescued him. So <clears throat> it's a word that talks about rescuing someone out of a very dangerous situation. So at least these four times that it's used, it's used in a physical sense. And only once is it used in a metaphorical sense. And that's here. It's used here to refer to the cross. The death of Christ, who gave himself for our sins, 
that he might rescue us out of this deadly and dangerous present evil age. It's evil in that it's characterized by evil. It's dominated by evil. The word age here, it doesn't refer to time. It refers to a system or an era. And the present evil age started at the fall and it will go on until Jesus comes back and establishes his kingdom of righteousness. So in between the fall and the establishment of the kingdom of Christ is this present evil age. It is characterized by lies. It's characterized by deception. It's characterized by Satan's agenda. It's characterized by what is temporal. What is for time only? What is physical? What is passing? And what will ultimately be destroyed? And the Lord rescues us from that. Another way to say it is over in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, he's sort of talking about how the Pharisees boasted in their works. Uh, they were proud about their self-righteousness. And, and Paul is not like the circumcised who boasts about their demanding attention to the law. And in verse 14 he says, May it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So what does it mean to be crucified? Well, it means to be dead. It's just a dramatic way to express the thought of death. Paul says Jesus Christ went to the cross and through his work on the cross, the world is dead to me and I am dead to the world. Well, what does that mean? It simply means that the world has no relation to the believer and the believer has no relation to the world. And what we mean by the world here is not, you know, food and sunshine and just the normal matters of life which God has given us. What he's talking about here are the ideas, the ideologies and, and thought patterns and values and honors and achievements and accomplishments and all that stuff that everybody is so into. The pleasures, the treasures, the honors, the values, the ideas. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5 says, We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You see, he talks about ideologies. Paul says, we are destroying ideologies. And then he further describes them as every lofty thing lifted up or exalted against the knowledge of God. Look at Colossians 2, verse 20. There it says, if you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world. Let's just stop there. He says, when you died with Christ, you died to the elementary. What he's saying is that anything the world comes up with compared to the truth of God is elementary. It's like baby talk. The most literate PhDs, the most brilliant philosophers, the most brilliant thinkers of our time elementary school compared to what we know. You see, we know the origin of the universe. 
We know how it came into existence. We know who made it, why he made it. We know how it's all going to end. We know what true understanding is. We died to that baby talk, to that elementary stuff. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, it says there very plainly, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. The word here for world is cosmos. It's the opposite of the word chaos. Chaos means disorder in the Greek, as it does in English. Cosmos means order. It's the present evil age system. It's a system, an exalted system of ideas and, and theories and viewpoints and values and honors and treasures and pleasures that have been designed by Satan and appealed to the sinful. In verse 15, he says, do not love the world. Do not love this cosmos, this present evil age, nor the things in the world. You see, you can't love the world and love God. Now, I enjoy God's creation. I see it as his handiwork. I don't look at the mountains and say, isn't evolution amazing? I don't look at a baby and say, thank God that an amoeba one day in a pool of something or other decided to split. You know, thank God for natural selection. But when I see a person, I see a creation of God. I see a person made in the image of God. When I see a mountain, I see the handiwork of God and the heavens declare his glory. The firmament shows his handiwork. I enjoy the world. I enjoy what God has made and I enjoy the wonderful rich pleasures that he's placed in the world, but it's all him. You see, to me, it's all about God. But if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. If you love your world, this passing world, then you're not a Christian for that is in the world. What is in the world? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, that's not from the Father. That's from the world. And the world is passing away in its lusts. The one who does the will of God, however, abides forever. You see, in its essence, you have two different people here. You have the people who love God and live forever. And you have the people that love the world, which is going to burn. We don't love the world. We've been delivered from it. My life is not consumed with what happens in this world. Frankly, my life is consumed with what is going to happen in the next world. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, we read, Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. The things on the earth are are simply things which for this time and place give glory to God. And I can enjoy them and thank Him for them, but they have no lasting value. They are temporal expressions of His common grace and of His love. We don't love the world, first of all, because of what it is. It's the world. It's Satan's system. 
We don't love it because of what it does. It incites us to sin. You see, Satan uses the world to pander to our flesh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. It passes its material pleasures, its, its sexual pleasures, its educational advancements, its honors, its accolades, its powers, its philosophies. It passes them in front of us. It enamors us and it draws out our sensuality, our covetousness, our pride. And the world, that's what the world panders to. We don't love the world also because of where the world is going. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 17. The world is passing away and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. You see, the system is in a process of disintegration. It will self-destruct. It is self-destructing. I hear people all the time saying things like, well, it seems to me like things are getting worse and worse. They are getting worse and worse. And they're going to continue to get worse because that's the accumulative impact of sin. That's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 31, Paul writes, For the form of this world is passing away. And in 1 John chapter 5, and verse 4, it says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. You cannot overcome the world. I cannot overcome the world unless we believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. You can't believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God unless somebody tells you about Jesus. Nobody is a Christian who doesn't know the truth because the only way you can ever be delivered from this world is believe the truth about Jesus Christ. If you don't believe the truth about Jesus Christ, you cannot be delivered. And so we're right back to where we started. That's why we have to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature because it's the only way to salvation. How can there be so much confusion about who is a Christian? Who are the Christians? Well, their affections are heavenly. Their desire is for that which is eternal and not for the passing things of this world. They proclaim his truth that he may be glorified and people may come to salvation and praise God for that gift. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this time we have spent together with you and with our viewers. I pray that you deliver us from error to truth, from the temporary things of this world to the eternal things of your kingdom. Be with those that are surrendering their lives to you at this very moment. And with all our viewers, we pray in Jesus' name. Well, we've come to that point in our program that I know many of you look forward to. It's our gift, our offer. Well, uh, today uh, we have another little booklet. It is called Confidence in Chaos. 
these gifts are made available through the generosity of viewers like yourself. And when you request one of these books, they will come in the mail, postage paid, no obligation whatsoever on your part. If you'd like to receive Confidence in Chaos, then pay special attention to the information you're about to hear. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you can order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Operators are standing by now. While on our website, you can leave a prayer request and if impressed to do so, donate to help keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. First and foremost, let me thank you for tuning in. And let me encourage you to let your friends and family know when we're on so that they too can tune in. If you have any questions about the program, the best resource is our website, l4ltv.com. On the website, uh, you can see the channels we're on, the times. All of the previous programs are listed there. Uh, where I will be appearing live is also there. And there's also a tab which says Donate Today. And online, with your Visa card or your Interact card, uh, you can make a donation to this ministry. We are a charitable organization, so we would send you a tax-deductible charitable receipt uh, for your gift. And just want you to know that every gift you make to this ministry is used for the ministry directly, paying for airtime and studio time and the gifts. And none of that money comes to pay salary for me or anything for me personally. It's all reinvested back in the ministry so we can keep the program on the air. Also want to uh, have you let you know about our social media presence uh, on Instagram at Santos underscore Bill. Every morning I put a one minute devotional video on there. It's great for your devotional life and to share with friends and family. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Santos underscore Bill. And we have our Mission Now Canada website, missionnowcanada.com, which is the humanitarian branch of our ministry that goes overseas and delivers all kinds of humanitarian work in places like the Philippines, Paraguay. If you'd like to learn more about that, if you'd like to subscribe to our newsletter, you can do that on the missionnowcanada.com 
website. Well, we're all out of time. Let me thank you again for joining us. I'll be praying that we can do this again real soon. God bless you. We'll see you back here again.